food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. If you can relate to being a burned out entrepreneur at any stage in your game, or maybe you're just working really hard to get that first stream of income and you feel like you're never going to get there, wherever you are on that spectrum, you are going to love this episode. Nicole LaLoya joins me. She's from NicoleLaLoya.com. She talks about being a burned out entrepreneur, how we can avoid this, how to build multiple income streams into your business in a way that you're being the most efficient human you can possibly be and getting the right work done and avoiding burnout and overwhelm and exhaustion. There are a bunch of little nuggets that Nicole leaves throughout the episode, so be sure to listen to the entire thing. You're going to love it. This is episode number 423, sponsored by Rank IQ. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to eBlog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave eBlog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. New Jersey-based Nicole LaLoya is a small business coach and a strategist. Over the course of her nine years in this business, she has helped over 500 service providers build their business and diversify their income streams through her signature Bigger Business Bootcamp and Grow Your Income Mastermind. Her Facebook group supports over 10,000 entrepreneurs by giving them real, unmatched support and resources to get to that next level in their business. Nicole, how are you today? Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yes, we're going to talk about entrepreneurs being burned out and what we can do about it today. But first, we want to know if you have a fun fact to share. Yeah, my fun fact is that I actually have nine nephews. So, oh, yeah, the boys. I'm child free by choice, but I have nine nephews. So, it's great. I get to do the fun stuff. That's amazing. And boys are the best. I'm a boy (laughs) mom myself, and I just, I never thought I would be a boy mom. And they're so awesome. And I also have a lot of boy nephews. So, oh, good. Yeah, they're great. They are great. That's awesome. Love to learn that about you. So, you're here to talk about entrepreneurs and this thing that happens to us, we all get burned out, or a lot of us do, if we're in the game long enough, right? So you have experience in this. Can you kind of tell us your backstory about why you know so much about this? Yeah, well, I actually started out first as a social worker. I got my master's in social work from Columbia and, you know, went immediately into a full-time job where I was getting my hours and my clinical hours and stuff for my next license. And, you know, I had gone straight from college into grad school, into a job. You know, I never really took any time off. I obviously entered into the job world with a lot of financial stress thanks to grad school loans. And, you know, jobs as a social worker don't really pay well. So you're 
you're really in a stressful environment, you're working hard and you're dealing with like a lot of bureaucracy and you're barely surviving on top of it. I had five roommates, which was very hard as an introvert. So I actually like did the three years I needed to do to get my license. And then I left the job because I was just, you know, ready for something different. But what ended up happening is I took some time off to travel and volunteer in Venezuela. And when I got back, I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't want another job. Like I must be lazy. Like something's wrong with me. Like I don't like the nine to five world. I was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I really think it was, you know, I was just burnt out and I didn't realize it. Right. Because I always loved working. I loved making money. You know, I had multiple jobs at a time in like high school and, you know, other times of my life. So I really felt confused, but I ended up needing to get my license, like needing to do paperwork to get my license because I had to take the exam and I passed that. And it just like was so hard. Like I just couldn't like do the tasks I needed to. And I just felt like dead. And I really was not working, like not making money. Like I didn't really have a lot of savings because I didn't have a job that like gave me excess money to save. So, you know, it was just a really bad spot in my life. But I still will say like, I don't even think I identified it as burnout. You know, I just really thought I was lazy. And, you know, eventually I did get myself together, you know, started working again, doing a lot of different things, like having different income streams. Like, you know, I had a part-time job, I had some contract work and eventually decided to start my own business. But, you know, then when I did that, I was like, oh my God, I just recreated a nine to five because (laughs) my first business was as a therapist. And essentially you're just in an office all day seeing clients at the same times every week. Same thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of just recreated the whole thing. So I've had severe burnout several times in my life. I also have ADHD and ADHD burnout is like a real thing because of just like our struggles with executive dysfunction. So I can see how just, you know, the complicated process to get my license just really overwhelms me. Like it didn't need to be so complicated, but because there were just like some random steps in there. As someone who struggles with the executive dysfunction, it really was hard to just follow through. But I didn't know that at the time. Oh my goodness. So, so many cool things to learn about you and your story. And I love that you said this a few times that your burnout was perceived by you as being lazy. I think a lot of us can identify with that. Often when I get to that point where I'm maybe on the verge of burnout, I'm like, what's wrong with me? I start questioning, like, is there something wrong with me? And do you think that's fairly common in the entrepreneurial space? I do. I think because a lot of times, you know, as business owners, like we really do thrive on being busy, right? I mean, I think the world still maybe started to shift a little bit, but I think that, you know, like busy is a sign of you know, just being a sign of being successful because you have stuff to do. I don't know. I'm from the New Jersey, New York City area. So I think here especially, it is very like important to be busy and like thrive on that and saying how busy you are and how stressed you are at certain points in my life, you know. So I think that, yeah, I think that we just don't realize it because we've been so motivated and we're like, I love working. I love my business. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of us do say, 
say we go into business for our freedom, but like then we just kind of end up working all the time. So I think that when we do get burnt out and we do get tired of it, like we just feel like we're being lazy or, you know, but it's just that we've been working in an unsustainable way. And what I found is that even though I enjoy most of the work I do, I can still get burned out. And I, I think I like get caught up in that thinking that, oh, it's not work because I'm enjoying it and I really like the progress that I'm making or I like the project I'm working on or whatever, fill in the blank. But in the end, you can still get burnt out. Like looking at your screen and working too much, no matter how much you love your job, can equal burnout. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's like a lie that we all buy into. Like, I like my job, so I'm not going to get burned out, but we actually can. And you mentioned ADHD and how that can kind of drain you further than probably most people who don't have ADHD. And I feel like there are certain personality types that just get drained. Like, I'm a huge empath and I can get so drained being around people. And that's really all I do these days. So I am tired a lot of the time. So thinking about things like that, like, do you have ADHD? Do you have executive functioning issues? Do you have, I don't know, are you a huge empath or introvert? Like all of those things can make you drain more easily. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think for sure doing things that might not align with like our natural rhythms or again, you know, everybody's like a little bit like a little bit different anyway. So it's easy to be like, well, other people are able to do all these things. So I should be too. But like right. a lot of times we just don't see the behind the scenes of, you know, the supports they have or, you know, what's mm. really going on. Right. Yep. We don't have the full story all the time. So how can we kind of alleviate some of this burnout, getting to the point where we're just, you know, feeling lazy, but not able to work anymore? Do you have a solution for us, Nicole? Well, I mean, I think it's definitely important to have support, right? Whether it's, I mean, in both areas, like personal and business life. So I think, you know, definitely looking at like, what are the things that drain you? Making sure that like, you're not responsible for everything so that you are working towards a place. Like, I think there's also, you know, kind of the same thing about burnout. Like I hear a lot of people who kind of have this like thing of, pride in like, oh, I DIY, DIY everything. I learn everything. I do everything. You know, like that's not yeah. a good thing. You know, like that's great in some ways. Sure. It sounds good, but like long-term that's going to wear you out. So definitely getting support with things, whether it's, you know, getting groceries delivered, outsourcing, you know, getting cleaning help. I know some people like outsource their laundry, like just little things that take a responsibility off your plate, I think are really important in business too, right? Whether it's even just like tools that you could use, you know, like client management systems. So you're not manually sending different documents, different papers, having to save everything in the same spot, try to find it, you know, just like tools or systems or processes that you can use to just kind of take extra steps out of your extra steps out of your processes, save you some time are, is really helpful. And, you know, one of my favorite things is multiple income streams. Again, when I started out my first business, I was a therapist. So it really was just like, my thing was like, I'm just only going to see one-to-one clients. That's it. Like I was happy with that, 
But again, I realized that was like unsustainable because I realized like, you know, if I don't have a session, I don't get paid. You know, if I don't have a client in that spot, like I'm not getting paid. If I take time off, I'm not, you know, getting paid that week. So I realized that having a variety of income streams could be super helpful so that you're not so stressed with the ebb and flow of income. And seasons, right? Like Mm -hmm. in our food blogging space, a lot of our ad traffic is very seasonal. So including extra income streams to our business is only going to help us because it can be really stressful. Like for me, late spring, early summer typically is like, oh gosh, what am I going to do now? So having something else to rely on. So how how can we do this? What are some ways that entrepreneurs can add income streams to their business? Yeah. So I think it's always good to look at like layers. So what would you say is for, you know, the, the people listening, like their number one, where does like the bulk of their income come from? Like what is the number one type of income source? Once a food blogger can get enough traffic, they go into an ad network and get ad display ad money. Yeah. So like ad money, affiliate income, that sort of thing, right? Or Well, ad income would be like by itself and that would be number one. Affiliate would be kind of separate. That's a separate avenue to explore. That's a possibility. Not a ton of people make a lot of money from that. I would say like digital products also would be another one. Like freelance work, working with brands, doing sponsored work. Those are kind of the top five. Yeah. So I would say again, like really, I think first of all, one, like you want to focus on one income stream to be bringing you in like enough income to survive because it can be really hard if you're spread out too thin amongst too many income streams, right? Like people who start out and they're like, oh, let me do affiliate. Let me do ads. Let me try a product. And they're not really like directing their people towards one particular thing or focus on that big traffic source to the blog, right? Which then means that everything's kind of spread out and they're overworking. So I think it's really good, again, to focus on like one income stream and really kind of get it thriving. Then the next one, I think like if ads are going well, then it's also good, even if affiliate income isn't a ton of income, to put those opportunities in place because they tend to be natural in blogs, right? Like, If you're talking about like using, like making a recipe for a crock pot, like linking to the crock pot, that kind of thing. It's just kind of extra, extra income coming in that doesn't require you as well to like trade time. I think also the other thing is to make sure that you are building your audience at the same time so that it's not just sending people to your blog, that you're giving them opportunities to get onto your email list because, you know, we don't control Google. We don't control Instagram or TikTok or any of the algorithms. So they could change things so quickly and kind of cut off your access to your audience. Yeah, it happens. It's for sure a real thing. People like lose instant access to their Instagram account. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is devastating. I spent years building this. Yeah. Or just like they're, you know, what you were doing worked, right? Like it used to be just pictures. Then it used to be stories. Now it's reels, right? So like you kind of have to keep also learning new strategies and adjusting to that. Or else, like, again, the algorithm doesn't feed you people. So I think also just kind of putting in those securities take off a lot of anxiety and stress and, like, worry about, you know, losing access to your audience, which is your income 
And I think definitely, you know, one of the important things are, you know, when you're doing an ad network and it's so important to get that traffic and get those mass numbers, I would also kind of think of something that you can make more money for doing like less of. So a higher price program, you know, or service or something like that. A higher price program or service, you know, because typically like for me, I start off with services. So that's easier. And then it's like kind of layering in lower price things. Right. But for for you guys, like, you know, it is usually lower cost income at a higher higher rate of, of sales or, you know, clicks or whatever. So I would think about like, are there workshops you could do for your audience? Like, you know, is there some kind of like demo you could do for them? Like, I think that could be really cool, you know, to bring in those higher paid sponsorships. Like, can you bring them in for a training and she like, you know, charge them a rate to get the training in front of your audience or selling something that does have a higher affiliate rate rather than just like, you know, Amazon links, which are really low at like 4%, you know, selling someone else's workshop or product or book or, you know, service and linking people to that. Really just thinking about what are other things that your audience wants, needs, who are they? Like, what are other things that are solutions for problems they have that you don't need to create? Hello there. Jumping in for a quick break to talk about Rank IQ. I love this keyword research tool and you've heard me talk about how much it has helped to grow my traffic on my food blog. I will tell you about one of the reasons I love this tool so much, which is how fast I can publish a post compared to my pre-Rank IQ days. Why is it faster, you might be wondering? I don't do as much searching on the front end of deciding on a keyword, so I dig into the writing portion really quickly and with laser focus. Next, I dive into each post with confidence because each keyword has been handpicked by the creator of the tool himself. With other tools, I approach each keyword tentatively because I really don't know how each one will perform or whether it's going to produce a good crop of traffic for me. And last, the Rank IQ Optimizer is the best optimizer out there in my opinion. It provides very specific recommendations about content to include inside each post. This makes the writing process go really smoothly as the optimizer acts as my guide, leading the way to a comprehensively written post. Go to rankiq.com to sign up and check it out for yourself. Now back to the episode. I think in the food blogger space, it's a little bit more challenging to find those higher price items, but it is possible. I know plenty of food bloggers who are able to do that. So whether that's like a cooking class or like you mentioned, like a workshop or a webinar or something, just trying to brainstorm a few other ideas. I know that a lot of food bloggers work with sponsors or brands and like they can charge high dollar for those. So that's kind of that for some people. Yeah. One of my clients had a blog. She was a dietitian, but she had like a food blog and Instagram and everything. Not so much specific food, but like recipes. And she had like a lot of sponsorships that she would get or getting paid to write guest blogs for them. So there definitely are those opportunities there, those partnerships there. I mean, I think that, you know, again, like what does your audience need? Like if it's a food blog, 
targeted to, you know, busy working moms, like, you know, do they also like, would a program on time management help them? If it's new moms, would a, like, could you bring in someone, you know, like a parenting sleep coach who has a program? I think it's really thinking outside of the box because it doesn't necessarily have to be related to food, but it could be related to something else that your audience struggles with that like takes time away from their enjoyment of food or cooking or things like that. Mm. That is just another problem in their lifestyle. That's a really great way to think around that. I love that. So how many income streams do you think are ideal? Once you have one set, like you mentioned, like getting one kind of established and going and solid and then working on others, what is an ideal number for you? Well, I think it really honestly depends on how much income they're each bringing in. So like there's been times where I've had like 12 and then I got rid of some and my income increased with like six, you know, because I just put more time and focus towards the income streams that were working, you know, and got rid of others. And I wasn't spread so thin or like trying to do so many things. So I think definitely like looking at and assessing like, what are your profitable income streams? I think it's really good for, you know, like for you guys with your blogs and stuff, it's so great because you have the stats like right there, like what are your most, you know, read blogs? What are the most popular ones? Are there maybe some opportunities in there for some like extra income or sponsorships or, you know, resources to direct people to you where you would get affiliate income or a resource for you to create that's a little higher paid, right? Higher cost. So I think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be this like massive number, but looking at also your income, your income goal, and I call it goal chunking, like breaking it down into different income chunks. Those are the different income streams. And, you know, what do you need to sell at what rate for each of those income streams? So, you know, if you need to sell thousands and thousands of things for each income stream, that means you need this massive audience. So do you have access to that? That might not make enough sense. So it might be better to get rid of one of those things and work it into just selling, you know, selling more of of what you're already doing or increasing your traffic to what you're already doing and focusing on that. So again, you're not like spread so thin. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great advice. So it really is like a case-by-case basis. It's not like one size fits all for anyone. We just kind of have to look into our own lives and businesses and see what's working, see what's not working and kind of go from there. Yeah. I think it's also a little bit about like personality, like what you like doing. And again, like it kind of goes back to your ideal client audience, right? Like what's going to be helpful for them. You could have the best idea in the world, but if it's not something your ideal clients are interested in, and that's why it's good to you to like survey your audience, you know, like make sure you're bringing them on your list and be putting out surveys to them. Maybe like link to a survey in one of your most popular blogs that gets a lot of traffic, right? And ask them like, what are their other struggles related to that issue of the topic or what else would be helpful to them, right? Ask them, you know, what they are interested in because I think the other thing is a lot of times we create stuff that we'd like to be successful, but that doesn't mean it's something that will be successful with our audience. So you've talked a little bit about like energy and how like being an entrepreneur can be very draining on energy. Do you have any tips specifically for just maximizing work and lives, like productivity type tips? 
Yeah. I mean, I think again, like definitely, like I said, getting support, right? Like outsourcing things. I know that does cost money, but sometimes it's cheaper to outsource something and like get your time back. (laughs) So you could focus it on areas that you like, right? That aren't as draining for you, especially like draining tasks. The other thing is just really, you know, assessing your schedule. So, you know, what times of the day are good for you for different tasks, right? Batching things works really well. And also, you know, having what I call a master schedule. So, you know, making sure that you're looking at your week and like, where's your writing time? Where is your, you know, maybe time where you're like doing your social media. So that way you're not like switching back and forth from task to task to task, which is a big ADHD thing or multi (laughs) multitasking, which I know we're all like, well, it really helps, but it really doesn't. Yeah. You know, and I think those are those like little energy leaks that are really helpful. I think the other thing is looking for money leaks. Like, you know, what are you spending money on that you don't use anymore or that's not helping you actually grow your business? You know, that increases your profit, which is just like, which is free money, right? So, you know, I've had clients who have done that or when I do that and they're like, oh, I'm not using this software, I'm not using this program. And, you know, if you cut out $200 a month, that's $2,400. Like I've had clients cut out a different, a couple of things and they're like, oh my gosh, that's a thousand dollars in a year, you know? So that's like a little less work you need to do too, if you want to save the time or it's just extra profit. I think one of the sneaky energy drains that you've touched on a couple of times is just that pride thing where we, you know, people are like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't afford to hire someone to help me or I'm busy. I get, I do it all. Like I do everything in my house. And like, we almost get to the point where we're just so proud of that, that it keeps us from being open to getting help, which I feel like is just taking up our energy unnecessarily. Right. So just maybe assessing that, like, are we prideful about about being busy and why? Yeah, like I said, it's kind of like, you know, I think not so much since the pandemic anymore, but it used to be this like badge of honor, like, I'm really busy, I'm really stressed, you know? So I think that for sure, I think there's also like, sometimes people get embarrassed about like saying they're not great at things. Whereas like, for me, I'm going to be honest, like, I really don't care because it doesn't help me (laughs) to act like I'm good at something I'm not good at. And I'm very like honest about that because I think another thing is like a lot of you think a lot of business owners are doing everything and they're not, you know, they have help behind the scenes or maybe like they even have, you know, another, like they're, they have a partner who has, is bringing in income too. So like they have some extra help there or some extra, like less financial stress so they can make other investments. Yeah. There's so many ways that we can get help that we might not think of, you know, like little, like maybe your partner makes dinner every night or helps with the kids or does school pickups or whatever. Like that's huge. That is. Yeah. Like sometimes it's just rebalancing things at home. So looking at that, but I think for sure, you know, so many people have cleaning help. So many people get their groceries delivered. You know, there's just little things there. And again, it doesn't necessarily also mean you always have to do that, right? Like if you're just at a busy time in life, maybe it's like a temporary thing. Like, let me just get help for a little bit, you know? I think like also like you you can hire, like, I think the other thing is like people think they need to have like a steady VA or like have like like 40 hours a month for them. Like when I started out with a VA, it was like five hours a month, you know, or you could outsource help with one project. 
it doesn't like nothing is permanent. Yeah, no, those are great points. So I do have some listeners who are not yet monetized. So they're listening and they're like, okay, this is great, but I I don't have any money coming in at all. And I know that feeling. It can be discouraging. It can be like, well, I'm not there yet, so this doesn't really help me. Do you have advice for them how they can just get into their businesses and even think about these things without having that first stream of revenue yet? Well, I think that, you know, when I wasn't really making enough money in my business and I felt like I was in business, but I was really like scrolling Facebook, lurking, like reading things, researching, you know, and I wasn't really actually taking action. I think it's really important. I'm not saying like that's everybody, but that was like my (laughs) thing. Like I was working on the wrong things. You know, I really like started to be like, okay, like what would a six figure business owner be doing? Right. Like would they be lurking on Facebook groups, like reading things and like never commenting, right? Would they be watching like a million like YouTube videos, you know, (laughs) like what are they really doing? So it really comes back to making sure that you're spending time on what's going to bring in money in your business, right? So act like the person you want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's huge. It's something, it's so underrated, I think. Like you were saying that, you know, scrolling through Facebook groups and not commenting or contributing. Yeah, I used to be that person. Like I would just scroll and then I remember having this stretch of time that was far too long that I would just sit on my couch and look at my traffic and it was bad. Like I was getting Mm -hmm. no traffic, but I would just stare at it and then I would watch Netflix shows and I was like wondering why I wasn't making money or getting the traffic I wanted. Like, hello. (laughs) It's kind of obvious. I think it's important to be honest. Yeah. And really say like, are these actions like connected to what's going to bring in income? If your goal is bringing in income, you know, and it's not, you know, just fun. So for those people who aren't doing the things that I did that I shouldn't have and are actually like working and putting in the efforts where they should be all of that and they're still not quite there, do you have thoughts for them? I mean, I do think like, unfortunately, and I've been in that spot too, is like comes down to like doing some market research. Like, are you, do you have a clear audience? Like, are you actually creating things that are helpful for them that they're looking for? Are you using like the words they use, right? I think figuring out where your people are and surveying them somehow or looking at like, what are other people in your you know, in your niche doing for this audience that is getting engagement, you know, and knowing like it takes time to build up to that. But again, like, I think that time tracking is really important too, because I think a lot of times we think we're doing stuff and we're not, like I said, like in addition to like lurking, just other stuff. So like I like to use toggle, T-O-G-G-L.com. It's like free and actually track the different things that I'm doing. So how much time is really like, are you just kind of creating more and more and more and not actually working on getting it out there? You know, like, is it, you know, are you just kind of like, do you have like 80 tabs open and you're just clicking from tab to tab? So things are taking you a lot longer. I think like it really is sort of like examining like the evidence of like, what are you doing? And also what do people want? You are speaking my language. I love time tracking. I recommend it all the time when people are like, wait, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, where, where's my time going? Yeah, it's like a free babysitter for me. <laughs> it is. It is so revealing too. Do you find that it's like 
for me, it's I find there are things that I thought I was doing more of and then things that I thought I was doing less of. And it's just so revealing. Well, time blindness is like a real thing, like real serious thing, I think for all of us, but especially again, people, if you have ADHD is huge. So like, I'd be like, oh, like fixing this, I'm just going to fix this email. It'll take 10 minutes. And then when I started tracking, it was like an hour and I was like, oh my God, like what? No wonder I can never get stuff done. Right. Right. And then your other point I just wanted to touch on too. So being a private investigator kind of and just like really digging into what people are wanting, I think messaging is so huge. If you get your messaging wrong, but you have this amazing product, you're not ever going to sell it. But if you can nail the messaging, oh my gosh, it's like a game changer. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think, you know, it's a hard thing to do. Like I know I avoided it because I was like, what if people don't want what I'm doing, which is like, obviously that's what you need to know. But like, it was like scary to do. And I like, people didn't want what I was putting out there because they didn't even know what it was. Like, you know, I was just very vague. So I think that's really important. And I just, you know, that's one of the things my clients struggle with the most too, is just like, you know, really making sure you're creating something, you know, selling it before you create it. So even for your audience, like if you're like, well, I keep creating these like digital downloads or whatever, or books or, you know, like whatever it is and it doesn't sell, like make sure that you're pre-selling it and don't create it till you sell it. So you know that you're not wasting time and energy or money. That's like a big money time leak. I have done that. I have been there, sadly. (laughs) Same. All right. This is so great. So what have we missed? Is there anything we need to touch on before we start saying goodbye, Nicole? I don't think so. I think like really, honestly, just like get your one income stream first. Like I always say maximum profitability. So, you know, are there any time or money leaks in it so that then you could kind of focus in on adding the next one? Yeah. This is great. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate Thanks for having me. Shared. Yeah, it was fun to talk to you. Do you have either a favorite quote you love or words of inspiration to leave us with today? I really don't have like a favorite quote. My memory is probably not good enough for them. <laughs> but I really do think, you know, just kind of, you know, be willing to make mistakes, like be willing to not be perfect and like, you know, just get yourself out there. Like don't keep tweaking it. Mm, that's great. We need to hear that. <laughs> this is a bunch that needs to hear that. So thank you. We'll put together show notes for you, Nicole. If anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash Nicole Liloia, L-I-L-O-I-A. And why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, Nicole? Yeah, I would go to, I'm Nicole Lillay on Instagram, but if you're interested in the income chunking and really looking at like, you know, how to hit your income goals with different income streams, I have a consistent income generator that you can download that works you through the process. And it is at Nicole Lilloya, N-I-C-O-L-E-L-I-L-O-I-A.com slash C-I-G. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here, Nicole. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Don't forget to head to forum.eatblogtalk.com to join our free discussion forum and connect with and learn from like-minded peers. I will see you next time.